Want to hear more? Follow us on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Sluts Scholars, or check out slutsandscholars.com. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars, where we talk smart and fuck smarter. I'm Simone. And I'm Nicoletta. And this week, we have Andrew Gerza, a disability awareness consultant and cripple content creator, whose written work has been featured in the LA Times, Men's Health Magazine, HuffPo, The Advocate, Everyday Feminism, Out.com, and several anthologies. He was the only disabled cast member of MTV's Canadian hit show, One Girl, Five Gays. He's the host of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability, which is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. He's also guested on a number of other podcasts, including Dan Savage's Savage Love and Cameron Esposito's Query. Fucking love her. In an accomplished, <laughs> he's an accomplished voice in the intersectionality of queerness and disability and travels all across the world talking about what it means to be a queer cripple. And we will get to where people can follow you at the end. Welcome. Hello. Hi. So before we get started, we would love to know like how you title yourself, because I feel like as able-bodied folks, we're always stumbling over what to say, like person with disabilities, disabled person. What do you prefer? I think it for me personally, I prefer disabled person or, or if we're friends and we know each other, or if I'm doing something professionally, I'll say like, I'm, I'm, your number one queer cripple because I think taking back that language is really important for me. Mm-hmm. It, it removes a lot of the the painful stigma around the word for me. It's a word. It's language that I've reappropriated for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like slut. Yeah, exactly like slut or like queer or, or the like in 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 different contexts like faggot words like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for each person with a disability, it's very personal. And very extreme. It's extremely important to remember that that everybody has their own their own preferred language. So when we talk about word about language like person with a disability, some people don't like that. So I think just like we're doing with the trans gender community, where we're asking like, what are your pronouns? What do you prefer? I think we need to do the very same thing when it comes to disability, and simply ask, hey, so how do you want me to identify this disability? Or do you not want me to identify it at all? It's just really a matter of asking. Oh, yeah. That's how a, would you ask that? Just, how would you ask it, Simone? You would just, how, how would I ask? Yeah. I mean, I have asked. I'm just I, bluntly, like, for my, my podcast, I've just said to guests, like, hey, I'll ask them in the, in the pre-questionnaire, how do, you want to be, how do you want to be identified? And if they say, call me this, call me this, then, then I follow that and I'll ask them on the air, like, Give me your personal identifiers. Go, but, and then. But how do you how how does one navigate that outside of the podcasting world where there's not a pre questionnaire and there's not this like tacit understanding that like we may stumble yeah. and we're trying to like paint a full picture of each other? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, I guess because I could imagine some folks who maybe because I can not definitely that they want their disability to be invisible, but maybe some folks might not even want it to be acknowledged while some folks might welcome the conversation and opening. So I'm wondering if asking the question, it ever feels insulting for you or maybe you've seen it for other people. Um, I don't think it feels insulting. I think that it, it could, it is really important to ask the question. I think we all have moments where we stumble. I think 
stumbling is okay. I think it's it's how you navigate the stumbling and how you work through that. So if you've offended somebody and used the wrong language and they say, please don't, please don't use that language, then just don't use that language. Yeah, don't try uh, to tell them but, why it's okay that you used it. That's one of my most frustrating yeah. experiences. Yeah, and I find in the disability community, people want to say, people are very connected to the language we use around disability and people are very fiercely, like staunchly connected to the, to the language. But I think if you simply just ask, like, hey, I, I noticed you maybe have a visible disability or maybe you are somebody who talked about their invisible disability. How do you want me to address that? And mm-hmm. if they come back and say, I don't want you to address that at all, then you say, all right, good, I'm good, I won't. But if they say, I want you to call me physically disabled or I want you to call me a mad person or a chronically ill person or a queer cripple, then you say, all right, great, thank you, no problem. That's what I will refer to you as. Okay, so I'm processing the lesson. So, Andrew, how would you like us to refer to your disability, if at all? You can, thank you, you can say uh, Andrew is a queer cripple or Andrew is a disabled person. Do you get any more specific with your disability or do you leave it at that? I certainly can. I, I have um, I have cerebral palsy, so I'm also a wheelchair user. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means I can't walk at all. I have no ability to walk. So I will sometimes say I'm a queer disabled man or a queer cripple who is a wheelchair user. And I've met quite a few folks who have cerebral palsy, and it seems like such a it expresses itself in di- diverse ways for people in terms of how it affects them. Um, how has it yeah. affected you in your life? It's a very, well, CP is a very um, interesting disability because it, it really does affect everybody differently. Even two wheelchair users who may present with similar, you know, similar presentation of, of CP have completely different lived experiences of that. So for me, I'm a wheelchair user. It affects my whole body. Um, I need help to do everything of my, da- of my daily life. Uh, so getting up, having a shower, getting dressed eating, using the toilet, all that stuff. Um, just to be really frank, that's what I need. But in terms of like how it's affected my sense of who I am and, and my um, my way in the world, I think it's really empowered me. And I always say that disability is 1,000% a part of my experience. I can't divorce myself from it. I can't, Even if I wanted to, I mm-hmm. can't remove myself from it. So I have to learn to embrace it the good the bad the ugly parts not necessarily i don't want to say enjoy because enjoy sounds like i'm oh yeah disability is great every day and i'll be honest there are days where it's not great and there are days yeah. where it sucks balls and there are days where it isn't fun at all but it's a part of the experience and so i've just learned to and really truly make it a part of who i am speaking of sucking balls um <laughs> I'm, you do a lot of work in the, in, in sex and disability. And that is fascinating. Something that um, both Nicoletta and I, part of the reason that we were so excited to speak with you is like, A, I know, personally, I know very little about it. And I think that's a shame because I think that we need to think about sex in terms of all kinds of bodies in all kinds of ways. Um, and so I'm really curious about that particular angle and kind of what you do and what your mission is in that. And then I'm sure more questions will arise. 
Sure. I just, I love the segue. I love that segue. <laughs> Simone is great at that. <laughs> Anytime we hear butthole or balls, like it just gets right into it. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, that, that makes me really happy. So, I mean, honestly, with, with uh, how I got here, I, it started because I was depressed. I had finished school. I had finished a, a law degree and a master's of law from my university and I was going to go in, I was, I was not, uh, I was not, um, I was not going to do any of this. I was going to be, I was going to go in, you know, maybe go to law school or do a PhD or do something academic. And, and had then, you had any sexual experiences uh, with other people at that point? When I first started school, no, but as soon as I moved away from home, when I was 19 and I was free to be away from the parentals, I was, then I immediately started slutting it up quite, yes! <laughs> quite freely. I was pretty much sucking any balls that came my way. Yes! Uh, <laughs> oh my God, how apropos! And I so, was, I'm, you know, so when I start, but when I started doing this work, when I started really focusing on sex and disability, I was 25. I was done school. I had sucked all the college dick that I possibly could. <laughs> <laughs> Story of my and life. And I wanted to, it's so, so true, right? How many, how much, how many balls can you suck in a dorm room in one night? Let's go. Um, but Can't even count that. I much. had, <laughs> um, my final count was like in one night, like four or five. Shit. <laughs> in one night. That's Good for awesome. You. Um, Listen. I was in my twenties. It was university. Things went down. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I miss like you. Like every day. <laughs> hey, um, actually, before we delve into the really awesome work that you're doing right now, I'm really curious to hear about your first sexual experiences as a person or as a queer cripple um, in college. Was it with people who are also uh, well, who also have a disability or not? And kind of how you navigated being a teenager, both discovering his sexuality, but all, as a disabled person, especially in a culture where that's not disabled people or folks with disabilities are seen as not sexual. Yeah. 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 Um, my first sexual experience, and I've talked about this on my podcast before, and I, I've told the story before, but I, but this story I think is important. My first sexual experience. I met a guy on a very popular gay website at the time back in 03. I was 19. I had just moved away from home. I was like, I want to suck some dick. So I went on this app to go meet somebody and I was being really polite and saying, oh, hello, how are you? And then my, my roommate who was, who was straight and also disabled rolled into my room one day and said, what are you doing? Are you looking for dick? And I was like, well, I was like, no, I'm doing something. I'm studying or something. He goes, no, you're not. Let me see your computer. So I pulled it up. He goes, no, no, you're looking for dick. And I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so he was like, you're doing it wrong. What do you want? And I was like, I want a blowjob. He goes, okay. So he goes to my laptop and he types in, I want a blowjob. Come over here now, blah, blah. And he goes, watch. He goes, watch. In five minutes, your screen will blow up. And I was like, no, no. Because I, I was starting the conversations with, Oh, hello. So nice to meet you. Like, hi, I'm this one. Was- the pleasantries. And did you share yeah. that you were a person with disability or you didn't say anything about it? Yeah, I was, I've always been very upfront about that. I never felt, because my disability is so involved and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm in like a, 
I'm a big electric wheelchair user, so when you see me coming, there's no way you don't know that I'm disabled. Right. And like, I apologize if this is a, a silly question. Um, uh, are your uh, sensations the same as someone who doesn't have cerebral palsy, especially in your genital areas? Amazing. Not insensitive, and you really crafted it in a nice, kind way, so I appreciate that. You didn't. Thank your you. question wasn't, does your dick work? Because then I would have been like, uh. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I don't really you. have a definition of how dicks work, so. Work is, work is a relative term. It's relative depending on, you know. Um, but, but, so yeah, I mean, yeah, I have sensation there. I, I'm lucky enough to have sensation with CP. It's not necessarily paralysis. So my disability actually uh, makes everything hypersensitive. <gasps> so, um, and that's not for everybody in my case, but for me, particularly when you when you touch me there or touch certain parts of my body, like my erogenous zones, my nipples, or my earlobes, or whatever, it's hypersensitive because, and I think that's in part because um, I don't get touched. I get touched by personal care attendants all the time. So they'll get me up, they'll dress me, they'll help me in the bathroom, but it's very clinical. They'll put on a glove mm. and that's their job. So it's a very different kind of touch. So when somebody is like, I want to touch your balls because I want to touch your balls because I like your balls. I, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's a very different kind of touch. Yeah. So yes. Are you able to touch sensation. yourself? Um, yeah, actually it's funny because I can touch myself, but my ability to self-pleasure and masturbate has changed in the last two years. I went from being able to, to pee by myself to needing help to pee with a catheter. Mm. Super not fun and super like just not fun in any way. Um, the muscles in my body got too tight and I just was unable to pee one day, which is a super like unsexy and also unhealthy thing. So, so I can touch myself, but to masturbate, the muscles in my, in my hands are too tight. So, and because I use the catheter to do that on my own, sometimes it doesn't feel super nice. Mm -hmm. So I need help to do that. Um, are there any machines or mechanisms to help with self-pleasure? that you would encourage people to try? Um, there are. For me, the ones I've tried, I've tried like things from Hot Octopus, like the Pulse Solo and the things like that, which are good products. Are those For like fleshlight-y, sleeve-like things? Um, the Pulse is like a vibrator that you put your, that you, for men typically, that you put your dick into. Or, or for, sorry, that sounds really gendered. For penis-having individuals, that you put your, your, dick into and then okay. you it's like you turn around and it vibrates for me though that just didn't work and it ended up really hurting me so hmm. i don't use it and i and i would also have to call a care worker to put it on for me which is super embarrassing so like the idea the ideas behind privacy and self-pleasure for me are um different so i mean i prefer to be with a partner when i'm doing that stuff because then I can just relax. Mm. So you, going back to the story in the dorm room where your roommate caught you <laughs> trying to get some dick. So you reached out, you were you were honest about, you know, um, being a person with a disability. And wanting a blowjob. Yeah, and wanting a blowjob or wanting to give one. Then what? Well, then I got a bunch of messages from, at the time I was ignorant and young. And so anybody over like 26, I didn't speak to because I was like, well, you're old. <laughs> um, now, now that I'm a little bit older and a little bit more more versed in like in like sexuality and all those things, I would much I, if somebody older approached me, I'd be like, "Yes, you're a daddy. Let's 
do this. Um, yes. But I, yeah, I'm all about the daddies come do all the things for my body. But I was. Yeah. Yes. Love daddies. I was. They're so hot. I was super ignorant at the time. Um, and so anybody over 27, I was like, no, no, you're too old. So I was just about to leave to go to the library to quote unquote study. Yeah, right. But uh, <laughs> so as I was leaving, I got a ding on my computer from this dude. And he was like, I'll come over and suck your dick. And I was like, all right, cool, great. So I invited him over and I had never done this before. And he came over and he, I remember, I'll never forget what he was wearing. He had on a plaid a plaid like vesty shirt thing, mm-hmm. and this was an this was in Ottawa, Canada, in the fall. So this was like total sexy, like let's do it, two thousand three, like socks North and sandals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <gasps> it, it was some some like roots attire happening there. So good. Um, and I was totally into it, and so he he managed to get me into the bed. Like he lifted me into the bed, which at the time I thought was so hot because I was like, oh my god. This able-bodied guy is going to lift me in bed. That's really a fantasy of mine. How, what, how was never, that to have a person lift you for that? It was fun, but also terrifying because I was thinking, how do I teach this person? What if they drop? What if like, they drop me? What do I say? Like, mm. I was really hung up on how do I remember? Because I had never had sex before, so my my viewpoint on sex was, I've seen this in porn. It has to look like that. And if it doesn't look like that, I've done it wrong. Mm-hmm. And and of course, me, your your body isn't often represented in mainstream porn. Yeah, it's totally not. If cough, ever, cough, have uh, you ever uh, seen someone with cerebral palsy in porn? I feel like you have to just search like disability in general, and there's like niche porn, but it's definitely to, I would say difficult to find. Yeah, there is. I mean, I mean, um, who who are they now? They're really what if Crashpad has done? Oh, okay. Yeah. A re- some really does cool everything stuff. that's like inclusive and good I feel like yeah they've done some really cool things with uh, disability and porn are you ever but afraid I, I, that someone is going to harm you or do something non-consensual because you maybe can't yeah you, you're depending on them and trusting them to maybe move your body in certain ways like that sounds kind of intimidating yeah, I mean, there there have been moments where I felt unsafe and there have been moments where I felt my consent has been violated or I didn't give proper consent because uh. like I was I didn't know any better and because this hot able-bodied person wanted to do things, so because they were able-bodied and they were hot, I was allowing them to call the shots. Mm. Um I've been lucky where it's, you know, it's never resulted in full-blown sexual assault, but but violations for sure. And uh, I'm learning to navigate consent a lot more than I would. Like at this point, when I was 19, for this experience we're talking about, I would have let that guy do whatever he wanted because he was hot and able-bodied. Mm-hmm. And I would have said, "Oh, you want to do this? Cool. I might not be into it, but you're hot, so okay." And so navigating those two things is really was difficult at the time. So just to get back to the story, the guy, so he lifted yes, me please. in the bed. I was excited by it that he was lifting me in the bed um, because he was hot and he was, he looked like a lumberjack and that was great. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember him being really, really attractive. Although probably looking back on it, he wasn't, but I was horny. So I didn't care. (laughs) Um, um, You know, the, the rose colored glasses of my youth. So (laughs) my youth, my youth, 
15 years ago now. Holy shit. Um, uh, so he carried me in the bed. We got in the bed and he kissed me and I came because I had never been stimulated or wow. touched or anything. And so I, I came just like that because I had never had any kind of sexual contact or touch or any, anything like that. So he says, oh, you, you've done this before, right? And I was like, oh, yeah, many times. Totally fucking lying. And if you <laughs> had seen it, like, there was no way he didn't know I was lying, but I think he was humoring me. Aww. So, So he got me off again. Damn. Which, Good for you. Which, Good for him. I mean, there were 19 right? years of him coming. Were so. you, did you feel embarrassed or you just kind of were like trying to ignore it? Oh, I was totally embarrassed because again, my sexual experience had been through porn where you can last an hour and not come, um, which we all now know is, you know, not true and not- it's been edited and re- recut and done and done. Um, so I was totally embarrassed. And then, so after I was done the second time, we were lying there and he, again, he was, he was considerably older than me. He was probably realistically 31 but he lied on the apps and said he was not that. Um, <laughs> but he was much. I remember him being considerably. Or I remember the the memories of him being considerably older than I was. Um, and I said, <laughs> "Let's go to a movie. Let's get a coffee." Because I thought you just made me come, so we're in love. Oh, did you? Okay. Oh, just wait. Oh it no. Gets so, much, so much worse. So <laughs> I said. Let's let's go to a movie. Let's. I'd love to see you again. Can we do that again? Can we hang out? Let's go on a date. And my chair was off in the corner of my dorm room, and I was in the bed with this guy. And again, this is my third week living on my own ever. I was my like I was totally alone, and I was uh, I was a little baby bird, a little baby like just learning how to do all this. Uh-huh. And he says to me, "Well, no, I actually just came by because I felt bad for you." Um. Mm. You were just a pity fuck. What? Whoa, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's time number one. Uh, that and so, was what your yeah. first consensual intimate partner said to you? Yeah, first first time ever. That was the, the first thing he said. That's, what he, that's, that's how we laid it out. Do you so think I, he just felt embarrassed or ashamed or something because of the stigma? Or like, why, I wonder why he would say that just to get you to not be interested? No, I think I think he probably thought that he was doing something nice. I think he probably thought in his in his mind that he was helping this disabled kid who needed some pleasure get off, which on its face doesn't sound so bad, but when you mix it with a bunch of ableism, which for anybody who's listening and doesn't know what that is, that's uh, discrimination of any form against somebody with a disability. So if you mix that in with, with ableism and him not realizing how patronizing that sounds from my end, it totally sucked and it hurt really. Like I remember he left and I phoned my friend at the time that I was just getting to know. And I said, I need you to bring over like two pints of ice cream and a magazine and a shitty oh. movie. And I need you to, like, yeah. I need you to stay here tonight. Cause I can't eat. Like I didn't, I remember not eating after that for like three days. Cause I was like, I can't, I feel so wow. sad. That's so hurtful. I'm so mad I mean, at this course. guy. Fuck course, this lumberjack. <laughs> the next week I was out there looking for Dick again. So really it was a blip on the radar, but it is something that has stayed with me and has really transformed how I see myself sexually. 
and how I operate around, especially non-disabled lovers, because I'm always worried that they're doing it out of some sort of some sort of hero complex or pity or fear. And I, if you're gonna if you're gonna get with me, I want you to be there because you genuinely want to be, not because you feel like you need to. I mean, I have people on the apps all the time say to me, "Oh, I want to come over and I want to worship you like you deserve," and all these things. And it's like, where, like. Where did you get this idea that I need to be worshipped by you because you're able-bodied? Mm. So, like, have you learned to like differentiate people who approach you now? Because I, it sounds like there will and will continue to be people out there that are using you as like a fetish or think they're doing something nice or because they feel bad or they're curious what it's like to get with a person with disabilities. Like, how do you suss those people out? Well, I mean, I think if you if if somebody approached me and said, "Look," I've never been with a disabled guy before, but I'm curious. I think you're hot. Can we mess around? That's a lot more upfront than than telling me after the fact that you were just trying me out. Like, right. you, like I have no problem to a point fetishizing myself. So when I use words like queer cripple, when I tell you that I that you can touch my joystick, when I make jokes about like you know when I make jokes about how I'm a thick cripple when I, when, like when I call myself a bear in a chair, when I use terminology. I love that. Like, that is the title of this episode, <laughs> bear in a chair. <laughs> Amazing. Like when I use terminology like that, I am to a point fetishizing myself and I'm really okay with that um, because again, it's a form of empowerment. And I think if you're just honest about, like I think, you know, to be, to be quite honest, I think it's really hot when guys say to me, I've never been with a disabled guy, but it kind of turns me on a little bit. Could I, could, would you, could, could you be my first? Like, that's a, that's a, I think that's kind of giant, that's a giant honor because it's like, oh, I'm the one that gets to show you how to properly, like, learn about someone, like, learn about a different body. That's kind of awesome. How do you show them? What do you do? So if someone's like, Um, I've never been with someone with a disability and I want to, I want to bone you. What do you tell them? Well, but, like then I make some jokes about how you should touch my joystick, and then we'll go make out in the corner. But like I'll say, like if I'm if the attraction's mutual, obviously, and there's consent, I'll say like, all right, let's let's try it out. And I at one point I would say we would sit down and storyboard the sex, which I mean, and by that I mean like sitting down and writing it out and talking about it and talking about like what is possible versus what's not possible versus what do I want to do and what do they want to do. Um, like just a kind but, of like a, a kinky consent talk where you're talking about boundaries and goals and things you want and things that aren't okay. And yeah. Just a, a conversation. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny how theoretical those conversations are because when you're in the, like, especially in the, in my experience as a queer man, those conversations should be happening way more and they don't. Mm-hmm. What happens is I think you're hot. I want to suck your dick. So whip it out and let's go. Like, those conversations around consent don't really happen very often. Even as a disabled person, like I will try to make them happen, but really honestly, they don't as much as they should. Mm. Um, because sometimes I don't want to teach you. I want to just suck your dick. And as we're going or, or, or fuck you or whatever it is. And as we're going, you will learn together. But if somebody stops me and says, I need to know how to do this. Like, how do I get you out of your chair? How do I do the how do I move you? Obviously, I'm going to tell them. But if they want to figure it out as we go, and if I say ow, you'll stop because that's how consent works. Because if I say ow or no, you'll stop. Yeah. So, I mean, I 
I also have no problem being thrown around and being, you know, having someone learn on me if they treat it with respect. Mm-hmm. I mean, I noticed on your social media and stuff that you wear some harnesses and things. So it would seem that you're into some kinky practices. And I wonder how you got into there and maybe how that's helped your your healing and, and sexual self-acceptance. Yeah, kink, um, kink is, is interesting for me because I... Can't, I can't wear a lot of tight-fitting clothes mm-hmm. because of my disability and because I need help to put everything on. So when I think about what I can, when I saw, and when I saw, to be really honest with you, it's really like, to really, now that I think about my attraction to kink initially and harnesses was really kind of ableist and, and white in, an, in its approach because all the hot, good-looking white guys with muscles were wearing harnesses. Mm. So I wanted to be just like them and I wanted to emulate that because that's what my community was wearing. Like a sexy leather thought, daddy. Yeah. And I thought initially if I wore a harness, everybody's going to flock to my dick. Um, and did they? <laughs> not as readily as I would like to, but they all should. <laughs> you should ask they your straight sh- roommate from college what you're doing wrong. Yeah. He, he seems <laughs> to know advice. how to right? help you. <laughs> Yes, Carl, I'll ask you one time. Um, <laughs> he's totally not listening, but if you are, hey. Does Carl uh, know how Im- like how intrinsic he was to your finally getting dick for the first time? It's funny, but he doesn't know. Wow. I wonder what he would think. He'd probably he be very happy. He and I, he, it's funny, he and I message each other on Facebook randomly, and we've seen each other like very briefly over the years, but maybe I'll send him a copy of this and be like, you should. Yes, thank Thank you, Carl. I want to hear about Carl's sex life too, as a person with a disability. Oh, that's true. I'll send I'll send him your way because, from what I remember, he had some fun college times. Sounds like he knew Uh, how to get it. I mean, I think there is this just just to go back to a general assumption that um, people with disabilities are not sexual, and it seems like while maybe not as many as just the cliche looking leather daddy, it seems like you have had a lot of sexual partners. I have. And I ha- I've been very like now that I'm a little bit older now that I'm in my like mid thirties which is weird to say but now that I'm like thirty four I don't really want to I I love being a slut I, I I refer to myself as a sexy seated slut along with you know bear <laughs> chair um, and so, so I, many I love that so title. many good sayings I love it right right I mean so many like and that's what I love about disability language too just to go off on a weird tangent but what I love about disability languages that I get to play with that. So mm-hmm. so again, phrases like bear in a chair, phrases like thick cripple, phrases like uh puppy with a disability, um, you know, things things that I can really play to bring disability into those kinky spaces are fun. Mm-hmm. Um but so to go back to the question about kink though, uh I I started I started wearing the harness to look like all the other white able-bodied muscular gay dudes and then when I put on my when I put on the harness for the first time and realized that it gave me power to be sexual it was like it was like a piece of clothing that said oh no you're a sexual being oh wow yeah I can totally see that yeah and that kind of comes at the point that Nicoletta was just making about how um able-bodied folk don't typically view people with disabilities as sexual. And this was kind of a way of you, like, without 
having to explain it or say anything. Yeah, that like it was if just you're obvious. wearing a kinky harness, you're into some sex stuff. Yeah, and I mean, for me, really, it it, it became a, a a piece of clothing that was powerful, really powerful, um, and not just about sex. It was about if I wear this, it's armor from all your ableism and it's armor from all the shit that I've been through and it's armor from being hurt by men who don't understand and it's armor from when you leave me after sex and tell me that I'm just your pity fuck or it's armor from when you said the wrong thing or didn't call me back or told me that I wasn't sexy enough or it in a way when I wear it and I look in the mirror it shields me from all that and says Mm. okay you can deal with all this keep going what do you think was most helpful for you to get through that depressing or depression time and come to this place where you felt empowered? Um, well, it's not over yet. I think disability and depression, um, for me, being being a, being someone who lives with depression and disability, it never really goes away. So well, I imagine it's, it's ongoing too because like you said, things maybe develop or muscles get weaker or get tight and so it might change over time and so I imagine as you face new hurdles it's new things you have to deal with yeah and I mean in terms of my physical body stuff I that stuff I'm used to that stuff I'm ready for like I have I'm comfortable around doctors I'm comfortable around like the hospital I'm that I'm used to that I don't I don't have to go in there very very often but I'm used to being medicalized quite often um, where it gets uncomfortable is the social stigma around being medicalized. And mm. especially as a queer man who's supposed to look a certain way, I don't. And that really scares people. So I think, I mean, I think I've gotten to a place with this work. This work really saved my life. It really, truly did. It made being able to, to leave college, realize I had no job, had no prospects because I took an MA in legal studies, which is a nice degree, but it's really code for now you can do more art stuff and do another degree. So Mm. it doesn't really translate into actually working. So realizing that I had something to say in the vein of sex and disability. And I just started really and truly, I started contacting um, places like Huffington Post, places like The Advocate, places like all the places that I've now written for and just said, I have a story about my life and I'd like to share it with you. Can I write for you? Mm-hmm. Or can I be on your show? Or can I model for you? Or can I, you know, and then I realized that I was doing work without actually, you know, without needing somebody to give me a job. I, I had yeah. created one for myself. That's, and I think that the, I mean, it's great that you have a job for like, that's awesome. And I'm also, Personally, like, yeah, I've wondered what sex with disability is. Like, just as a as an able bodied person, I've I've who's never been with a, a disabled person. Like, I don't know. Like, I probably have fallen into the realm of like not viewing disabled people as sexual beings, and just like in learning about you and like other disabled folk who are involved in like sex, the sex positive movement has absolutely shifted my perspective on it. Well, Andrew, I don't know if you would agree, but one thing that I think able-bodied folks can take from uh, people with disabilities is the creativity that maybe has to go into being sexual. Um, Yeah, Yeah. what does sex look like for you? Yeah, like I would love, yeah, we would love to know like some of the creative ways in which you found pleasure and any fun stories you want to share. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, I have I have a ton of fun stories I could share. Um, what it looks like for me is it's not like as a queer man, as a queer, as a you know, quote unquote gay man. What we think of as sex, if you're able-bodied, is I'm gonna give you a blowjob for two seconds, then I'm gonna shove my dick up your ass, and we're both <laughs> gonna come, and then it's then it's done. That's pretty much how gay sex looks. Oh, and I might eat your ass out somewhere in between there. Sounds kind of similar to straight sex. Yeah, like a little bit of quote-unquote foreplay. We don't like to say that, but a little bit of stuff before oral and then try to go right for penetration, and then it's done. That's lame. Yeah, see, when you're, yeah, it's like wham, bam, and then it's over. And that's, you know, that's a really, that's a really limited scope on what you can do. And what, part of what I enjoy about my body is that I can't do all of that. Um, I can, I, <laughs> I... Am what I guess you would would call a disabled top. Uh, in in a that top. I can't. Yeah, meaning that I meaning that I that I it's hard for me to bottom to get socked. Um, Is that because of a and, personal preference or because of the sensitivity around cerebral palsy? Um, it's more the sensitivity. I would love to meet somebody that that would fuck me, but because I can't clean myself out properly, I can't douche as the as the gay men say mm-hmm. um and i can't do all the things that come with that beforehand by myself so we gotta find you someone uh, who's like down for shit who maybe likes shit and um accepts that shit happens well, yeah I mean, I've I had know, a butt, like, just so you know andrew i've had butt sex and i've never douched my butthole <laughs> Just throwing that well, out there. <laughs> but there are these norms, like you're saying, in the gay male community that, you know, are maybe feel important to some people. I mean, well, also because I have IBS. Okay, so, that complicates things. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, I would love it if some guy was like, look, if you shit on me, we're so friends. Like, that'd be great. But the the reality is, is that I would be really nervous that... Got it. So it'd be hard like, to you know, really get feel it. comfortable and you might not be able to relax and enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. And then, or if I did relax, everything might <laughs> everything might be released. <laughs> so yeah, I hear you. So I I really want somebody to fuck me, but it's just never happened. Have you ever been fucked um, with a toy? Like not someone's no. penis attached to their body? Because th- people, no. I feel like, have less of a hang-up around getting shit on a dildo. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. Anyway, proceed. But I've never been, but also it's because and because of the muscles yeah. with CP. With my with my level of spasticity, I have what's referred to as spastic quadriplegic cerebral palsy, which means that mm-hmm. even as I'm talking to you two right now, as I'm talking to you into the microphone, my, my muscle tone is about at a two. So I always I'm always tight somewhere mm-hmm. when I'm talking or doing something or moving. My, my muscles are always tight somewhere. Mm. So, so the idea of anybody putting anything in my asshole, as erotic as that, you know, the image is, the reality is a whole lot different. Got so it. It would take a whole lot, like, even just to, to be really frank, even just doing things like suppositories and stuff in, in my medical life, that's, that's a My challenge. whole body says no. Yeah. So the idea of somebody being like, oh, I want to fuck you with this toy, it's hot, but it's not realistic. Okay. Um, 
for me. I'm so no, grateful I'm for all of the detail you're you're giving. It's, yes, it's we love really it. awesome. So much detail. Um, <laughs> I fucking love it. I'm so asshole. into it. I love. I want more I'm, detail about your asshole. I, I think love I've it. said it on a so past bad. podcast, but my mom used to call suppositories poo poo rockets, and I just <laughs> I I always want to share that whenever anyone says suppository. So. That's so funny. Fun fact. Um, okay, so, okay you, so let's talk about what sex does look like Yeah, for so you. T- yeah, tell us about topping being a person yeah, with a disability so who tops. sex for me looks like, you know, the person that I'm with will get me out of my chair uh, and put me... I have a sling in my room, which is like a, a big hammock that I sit in that's attached to a machine that goes up and uh, they would transfer me from my chair to the bed. I would then, they'd lie me down, they'd put me in the bed, and then they would help me get undressed. The partner that's going to that's gonna have sex with me has to do all those things, because I'm not going to call a care worker to undress. Yeah. No, I'm not, not going to do that because it's just too weird. It's too, I wonder, it like, would be cool to me, I don't know if you've done this, but I'm just getting this image in my head of getting... Um, like a, a service submissive or slave person who wanted to do all those things mm. and could just be there to help with that. And suck um, your dick. Yeah, and suck dick too. Or they could just watch and have the other person, you know, who's maybe involved do it. But That's someone good- in like a sexy outfit who is hired, not hired, but, you know, who's into it. Um, so that you're not dealing with any like you know sexual harassment in the workplace or whatever. Andrew, we were talking about how you have come up with creativity, and you are stimulating the creativity within us. Yes, it's awesome. Amazing. Not that we're trying to I'm tell so you how to bone, but we're just. I'm just amazing. excited thinking about it. Maybe yeah. you're not, but whatever. <laughs> no, you wanna, do you want to? You want a service bottom? I would. It sounds cool. Yeah. Okay, so amazing. they take off amazing. your clothes. So the, and then you know, and then there's the foreplay and the making out and all those things, which I'm, which, which you know, being that I'm unable to walk, I'm very, very skilled with my mouth because mm. that's one body part that I that I that isn't. I mean, it is affected by the CP, but it's not. It isn't dependent on someone else removing too much. It's you know, touch your face, so I can do a lot with that. So. There's the making out, and then there's the and the, you know the person that I'm with. If they're able-bodied, they have to come to me and bring them bring their organs or whatever they want stimulated to me. So are you usually um, laying um, on your back or in the swing, and they're on top when they're kissing you or um, other stuff is happening? Yeah. Okay. I'm in my bed in what I refer to as the dead turtle position. Um, like on <laughs> your back with your legs in the air? Um. No, on my back. With the, with my legs not in the air, but just on my back, kind of in like unable to move because okay. I have rods. I have rods in my spine, so I'm on, I'm on my back, okay. unable to move with with my junk out. My, I'm naked. My clothes are off, and then the person will would just ride me. They and so I also kind of refer to myself as the <laughs> your power as, bottom, kind of, <laughs> it's in a different yeah, way. But, um, Sort of, um, or a power top on the bottom. Yes, exactly. Um, but I also refer to myself as the human dildo because they have to fuck themselves with my dick. Uh. So I can't insert in. I can't insert myself into somebody. They have to make the decision how to insert, how much to insert, what speed they want to go. Like I literally am the human dildo, and there's there's a power in that. There's a, yeah. there's a real sense of like. I can't do anything, but I can still enjoy this experience together. 
And yeah. um, do you have any trouble like staying hard or staying erect or that hasn't been affected? That, that for me with my disability hasn't affected me. So I have no problem there. In fact, when people see my, my dick hard, they, they're, they're surprised because they assume incorrectly that because I'm disabled, I couldn't get hard mm-hmm. or I have paralysis there, which is not true. Um, <laughs> but one thing that I've been, I've been very blessed with a big dick. Um, Congrats. Because, Congrats. Oh, thank you. But I, I, I think that's, I think that's God's way of being like, well, we put you in a wheelchair, but uh, we'll give you a big dick. So yeah, like, here it is. So does it so feel, do you, does it feel like people are using you in that way when they're like using you as their dildo or it like feels empowering? You said. No, I really, I really enjoy it. I like that I'm able to, cause I, again, due to my own internalized struggles with ableism, it feels like. I'm doing something quote unquote normative with them mm-hmm. that if I can fuck them and give them pleasure, I'm therefore doing something right, which is totally, totally like not necessarily the truth. But when in that moment, it feels correct. Do you let partners face fuck you? Do you let partners face fuck me? Can you, can you, can you what, tell me what face fucking is again? <laughs> well, I guess it would be sort of what oral sex would be for you because if you can't use your hands, maybe you're not able to say oh, like, yeah, how sorry. deep they can go. So when they put their dick in your mouth, like, do you just let them go for it? Or do you have limits as to like I, how deep you can do it? You know, it's funny. I love being really submissive to dudes. I like being submissive. So you let them face fuck you. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Quite. I'm with and you I, on that you know, train. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fun if it's done with consent and it's done the right way. It's really fun. Yeah. And I, I, I enjoy it because again, I can't do a lot with my arms or my legs, but I, with my mouth, I'm there. So if you, and I enjoy it because they have to straddle my face mm. with their dick mm-hmm. and I can't, I, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you guys, Simone's getting so carried easy. away. She's almost done. <laughs> and so I can't sit. I can't like bring their dick to me. So they have to do it. And then again, I I, I also like being submissive because in my everyday life with my care attendants, you I have tell them to, what to do all the time. Yeah, I have to tell them what to do and how to do it, and I have to really monitor them. In instances with men, I also have to tell them what to do. But if I get to a place where they know me and we know each other. We can just relax into that. And I can be a little bit like somebody that I'm fucking right now. I'll say like, you know, I'm not going to decide. You decide. I don't want to just like, yeah, you figure it out. I don't want to, I don't want to decide. Have you ever had instances with lovers, um, maybe in the middle of or afterwards expressing discomfort at maybe, um, the idea of you not being able to move or anything like that? Um, yeah, I have. I had a partner once who I was inside him and we were fucking and he says, he says, go on thrust. And Mm. I said, I can't thrust. And he was like, what do you mean? Fuck me. And I said, I I can't thrust. Wait, I'm surprised that it took him until your dick was inside him to get to that point to realize. Sorry. Like, like, yeah, yeah. I do. I was quite surprised too. And I was like, (laughs) so he's like thrust. And I kept saying, I can't. And the look of sheer and I tried like I moved my body and tried to do that like I tried to like lift my hips up to do it and it wasn't happening and I remember the look of disappointment on his face like you ruined that for me oh. and I just mm. like say anything about it we never talked about it but there was a glimpse on his face of like you ruined this oh my and gosh 
And I, like, I'll never forget that. We, we, we've never talked since. But I could just see in that moment he was not happy. Oh, that I must meant, have been so hurtful to see must that have been, facial expression. Yeah. I meant more in the sense that people may be questioning your ability to consent. Not that you can't, or but I was just wondering, uh, for some people, like, they— I don't know if that does they that would question say make that sense? like someone who has a disability maybe can't consent because of the power dynamic. I don't not even necessarily the power dynamic at play, but just being just being like overly concerned and like checking in with you. Oh, like asking if you're okay too much and treating you very fragilely. That's what I meant. Thank you. But if they well, there's a whole bunch of things we can unpack there. Like if they consent for people with disabilities looks can look different. Especially if you haven't had the the opportunity to have a lot of sex, or you're in a dry spell, or you don't have access to your body, consent can look differently. Especially when presented by a non-disabled person. If a non-disabled person says, "I want to do this to you," your idea of consent, of what is yes and what is no, might look extremely different than just simply saying, "No, don't do that." Mm. Because if you say no, you may not have sex for five, six, seven months. Um, so it can, it can, I mean, not all the time, but I'm just saying like, if, if you don't have access to partners and, and spaces where you can be sexual and somebody offers to do things to you, you might feel obligated to say yes when you don't necessarily want to. Because you're like feeling hungry for connection and and touch and worried that when's the next time going to be. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Is that something you shy away from? Or I guess I'm thinking about maybe listeners or other people with disabilities, like hearing that, like, I'm guessing that's maybe a common thread. And so I guess as someone who's kind of at the forefront of this discussion, like, is that not to pass judgment, but is that good? Is it healthy in your opinion? Or how how do we have that conversation and kind of say like, okay, what is consent in that case? We talk about what what no looks like, and and but also what yes looks like. When I say yes to an able-bodied person, you know, me fucking them with my dick, or letting them in my house, or letting them put me to bed, or letting them undress me, I'm giving them a lot of power, and I'm letting them into my world. Mm. I'm letting them into a space that is that is typically reserved for either no one or caregivers. So there's a lot of power and privilege in me saying, yeah, mm. sure, come on over. Like, And so what we talk about with disabled people or what we should talk about is the power in saying yes to somebody coming over. And the, what you're allowing them to do is a big deal and they should be honored to do that with you because it's it's something that is scary for both of them, not just for them because, oh my God, I've never been with this disabled guy. But it's scary for me because it's like I'm letting someone into this world and I'm teaching them all this stuff. And it might just be a one night stand. And how do you feel when you put in all, all that emotion- effort and time into a one night stand? Yeah, when it's just a, when it's just a like a, a blow and go. So it can be really it can be re- the issues of consent are so much are so much grayer for everybody, I think, generally, mm-hmm. but especially if you're somebody who is marginalized. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. By the way, Blow and Go is the name of a blow drying place near my house. Seriously, but, I love that. but we were so grateful for you starting that conversation with us and continuing to have this conversation with other people. And we want to make sure that it keeps going. So, how can people find you and hire you? 
Oh, well, thank you. Um, <laughs> they can find me on um, the t- on my website at andrewgerza.com. Um, they can find me also on Twitter at Andrew Gerza. I would love it if all of your listeners would would go to my podcast, Disability After Dark, uh, and download all the episodes and contribute to Minnesotes. I just started doing Minnesotes on the show where listeners can write in letters and I'll read the letters back on the air to the listeners about anything related to disability. So I'd love it if people would write in and send letters to disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all the places that you can go. And if me. you are a person with disabilities, a disabled person, whatever you'd like to call yourself out there listening, um, you also do consulting for folks on how to navigate things in their life as a disabled person, right? Yes. So, so people I can do, hire I you do. for consulting in the workplace for individuals. Like it looks amazing. Sex for tips. Workplace for yeah, sex tips. For like <laughs> sex parties, for like, for yeah. I do a lot of stuff around disability. And my goal with my work outside of just a sexual sphere, outside of how, teaching, you know, outside of showing disabled people that they can suck balls too and enjoy themselves. I, you love I, um, talking about sucking balls. I'm not complaining. I'm just it's literally okay. It's literally my most favorite thing, and I don't get to do it enough, and it hurts me. Also, eating ass is my favorite thing. In I'm really upset. Well, we didn't wait. Talk I thought enough. sucking balls was your favorite thing. You could do a well, little. There, little I have so, It's okay. Yeah, you can I'm have balls in your mouth and bury your nose in the ass. It's pretty rad. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> So, that so, was my day yesterday. Was <laughs> Your amazing, day every day. Amazing. <laughs> so, you know, people can, aside from doing all that stuff around sexuality, my goal is to really talk about the lived experience of disability as it is and how really, really shining a, a light on how disability feels. Mm. We've never, we don't talk enough about how it feels to be a disabled person and the emotions around that and how that affects our day to day. So the goal of my work and whatever it is, is helping people realize that disabled people feel things differently and that's like, and feel things maybe more intensely and feel things in a completely different way. And that's all right. Yeah. I mean, you've definitely helped just me personally, like learn so much, I feel just from researching you and in the span of this podcast. So I, I mean, not that you need me to tell you that your work is working, but it definitely is. And and we're so grateful that you took the time to spend with us. Um, and we hope our listeners enjoy this as much as uh, we did. And um, obviously follow Andrew and download his uh podcast Disability After Dark. And if you want to keep up to what we're doing over here at Sluts and Scholars, you can find us on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Sluts Scholars. And we also like your emails and questions. So please email us at slutsandscholars at gmail.com. Bye.